Hello and welcome to What the Fintech, the podcast from the team behind Fintech Futures and the Banking Technology Magazine. I'm Alex Pugh, I'm the reporter at Fintech Futures and joining me for this episode is Charlotte Crosswell. She's chair of the newly formed Center for Finance, Innovation and Technology. We'll be talking about how CFIT will attempt to level up the whole of the UK fintech sector, how it will work with universities and startups, as well as how the new private sector-led body will address the UK's labour crunch. Welcome to the show, Charlotte. All right, thanks, Alex, and great to be with you today. Likewise, would you like to introduce yourself, talk about your role at CFIT, maybe a little bit about your background and the sort of work you're looking forward to doing with CFIT? Yes, absolutely. Many listeners, they probably won't know what CFIT is. So maybe if I give a couple more minutes on a bit more yeah. color on that. Please. Um, for anyone who's been involved in fintech, they will know about the fintech review that was led by Sir Ron Khalifa and published a couple of years ago. And CFIT was very much born from that. With the recommendation being that despite all the industry bodies, despite government departments, despite regulators and you know, huge interest and growth of fintech in the UK, what we didn't have was a body to take on the most difficult challenges, barriers to scaling, but also to look at the art of the possible, of what could be done if we had different solutions in place. And that's really where CFITs come from. We have seed funding from government. So we had £5 million from HM Treasury, as well as half a million pounds from the City of London Corporation. But it is being set up in the private sector. So we have the flexibility and the independence from government to be able to look at this. So you know, our mission really is, is now to look at our first coalition, we call them coalitions, and that's going to be focus groups across the country, looking at those really difficult challenges, working with the fintechs themselves, but also the big financial giants that may be across banking, it may be asset management, it may be insurance, and bringing in academia as well to really look at what needs to be done to take fintech in the UK to the next level and really start to move it into financial innovation. So really looking forward to starting. We literally incorporated the company in, in January. Our new CEO starts just after Easter. He's got a startup background, so Ez Britton. Some will know him as one of the founders of Neighbor. And he's going to be looking at this very much as a view being, get these coalitions identified. Let's get the right people around the table and let's get solutions into use cases and really showing tangible outcomes within 12 months is our aim. The funding from Treasury is designed to fund two of those coalitions, two of those really big challenges. And then we will move to having private sector funding after that. So that's that's a little bit more about CFIT, but it's way of background on me. I've just finished my role as chair and trustee of Open Banking, the implementation entity, as we got to the end of the roadmap on OB. And prior to that, I ran Innovate Finance, the fintech industry body. But I've actually been involved in tech since oh, the 90s when I worked for London Stock Exchange and all the tech companies sprung up and went to the capital markets and got deeply involved with what was being done in tech, especially around the Cambridge area. So I feel like I'm, I've got the playbook from tech, but maybe moving into financial innovation. Good pedigree, definitely. I was interesting you were talking about the, there's a coalition of experts. I think we're going we're gonna to chat about those later. I thought it was quite an interesting idea. And to have tangible outcomes in 12 months, quite ambitious. Do you think that's feasible? It seems like a very short window of time. It, it is a short window. And what that's not saying is, no, we're not going to solve every challenge out there and totally change the way we look at things. But I think it is important when you are setting up these new bodies that you actually show that it's going to make a tangible difference. The last thing we want is to have just people around the table talking about the problems and or bringing in really small changes that aren't going to really be transformational. Because industry is doing that already. This really sits at the intersection of industry, government and regulators. 
And while we don't, it was not quite a blank sheet of paper, we certainly saw some of the challenges identified in the Khalifa review, and those were under those big buckets of open finance, SME finance and digital ID. But those in themselves are huge topics. So we're going to have to really narrow that down and be something that can be substantial change and show how that can be done. But as I said, making tangible progress towards those goals in the first 12 months, I think that is important. Great. Thanks, Charlotte. So first up on the podcast is our news and numbers segment. This episode, we're going to be discussing the news story. This came out in February. It covered the story that global fintech investment has dropped 30% in 2022 from a record 2021 high, presumably because during the pandemic, everyone was utilizing their devices a lot more. Not that anybody needed more of an excuse to be online, but I think do you see the, this figure that if from 2022, it was 164.1 billion. In 2021, it was 238.9 billion. Do you think that was because of the pandemic? Like there was record investment there or was there another reason behind that, do you think? I think it's a combination of, of everything. And some of this we have to recognize is actually valuations themselves. So yes, you know, less money in total, you're really looking at correction of valuations. And again, as I said, you take us back to 20 years, we very much saw the same issue arising. Like lots of innovation happening, lots of verticals being created, incredible change happening. But of course, then we do see that drive from investors to start looking towards profitability in many cases, or scaling of those fintechs as well. And not everyone survives, unfortunately, that phase. We haven't seen that yet. And I think a lot of people thought we may see a change back in 2020, maybe a bit more consolidation across the horizontals. But actually, of course, then, as you said, the COVID pandemic meant there was just this incredible demand for these solutions and a lot of growth within a lot of different parts of fintech. It's such a broad topic in itself. So I think we, what we're now seeing is obviously that normalizing a little bit. We're seeing investors globally because the UK was actually less affected than many other parts across the world and we are seeing them looking for more value in those valuations potentially lower numbers coming in and as I said in itself that's not always a bad thing because you are then going to see a drive for companies that will be staying the distance and growing and exporting globally so it's going to be interesting to see really what happens this year you know we're continuing to see that downtrend I would expect coming in, valuations, as I said, being, being corrected. But the money that's going into some of these companies, you, which is scaling capital in many cases, is really going to show you where there's the interest in investors. It's perhaps they've yeah, gone away from the heady days of uh, 20 and 2021. Yeah, heady days, certainly one way to put it. But I think we saw a similar thing happen with, um, with job cuts. A lot of the tech firms and fintech firms have embarked on rounds of job cuts that look quite severe and quite deep. Actually, a lot of them are just returning to their sort of pre-pandemic staffing levels, which, sort of, That's which right. mirrors sort of valuations in terms of investment as well. We have seen this happen many times in many different sectors. Obviously, they're generally investors are looking at what is going to deliver value, which companies are going to be successful, and of course. They tend to jump onto companies that are some of the largest ones. And then, of course, people take that pause and say, well, is this sustainable? Is it right? that it can, can a company continue to grow at those levels? And, you know, there's a chance that they can't. So then you obviously see the investors pull back. I mean, what we really need is obviously more growth capital, more patient capital, crossover capital for companies in the public markets that's going to stabilize some of that because we do obviously see VCs tend to follow other VCs and that can drive up valuations really quickly. But unfortunately, those also come down very quickly as well. 
Okay, let's move on to the meat and potatoes of the podcast. This is our more interview style section uh, where we focus the discussion, topic, or sector. Naturally, we'll be talking about CFIT and what it hopes to achieve. So, first question, Charlotte, where do you see CFIT having the most impact and influence on finance and technology in the UK? So, that could be in terms of geography or in terms of types of fintech. Let me tell you the three strands, I suppose, of work that we are considering, and we haven't quite finalised which coalition, the broad topic we're going to, but we are trying to get that announced in during UK FinTech Week in mid-April. So certainly looking at that and saying, right, you know, what solutions are out there now that could be scaled with you know, a bit more focus on them? Or actually, what have we not considered? Because the FinTech founders themselves are only really focusing with the parameters they can operate at. So I suppose I, you know, we're looking as much to overseas, and this is what was done in, in the Khalifa review, where we identified those three big coalition potentials of open finance, SME finance, and digital ID. So like, what are others doing? How are they approaching it? And is there lessons to be learned for us that we haven't even considered yet? And I think you know, if you take digital ID, it's, it's one example of that. You know, lot, a lot of countries see that as an ID card. The UK would never consider, I don't think, an ID card. But you know, are there things that can be opened up to give people a better financial services outcome. So really, when you're looking at that, all comes down to data. Where does data come from? How does that allow you to share that data with a trusted third party? Because you're going to receive a better outcome on the back of it. And you know, we're certainly looking at sort of the consumer angle as well as the SME angle, because obviously consumers are difficult. It's difficult to change attitudes quickly. But obviously, over time, that is what you want to do, is you want to get everyone to benefit from that. And But the SMEs are obviously the ones who are employing the large majority of people in this country. And in many times, you every single pound they can save can be really relevant. So that's the coalition side. You mentioned your know, regional and geography. I think there is an incredible opportunity for us to scale up more outside of London. We are seeing real thriving fintech clusters across the UK. Those have been identified and some, some great people working on those. And there's a lot more connectivity and sharing of comms and knowledge and regulation across those clusters. But I still feel that a lot of founders will start outside of London and still feel they get dragged into London to come and talk to the investors, the regulators, even post-COVID, where you would think it would be quite easy. And all of us, probably 50% of our meetings by teams, we're still seeing that drive. I think that is changing. It's incredible when you talk to the companies who are now partnering with academia locally to fill their talent pipeline, to get their ideas there, the research, the data. You, there's a real potential for us to scale some of those up. And I'm really excited about working with what we call the innovation hubs around those clusters that we're putting together with the local associations, the local networks and the fintechs obviously themselves to see what can be done. So yeah, big opportunity there. And we'll actually work directly with universities to look at student placements into the sector. And that won't be just the fintechs, that might be large financial giants looking at financial innovation, it might be regulators but really keen to push that forward and close that gap between what industry is looking for and potentially what academia can provide, either in talent or research. And I think that's important and that will help to foster you know, more local clusters as well. Yeah, that dovetails quite nicely into the next question. So yeah, about these sort of localised hubs, and you touched on it quite a fair bit there. What is the overarching strategy for ensuring that the whole of the UK, sort of the whole of the UK levels up from a CFIT rather than just London, as you described? Yeah. And will the hubs be connected with one another? Will they communicate with each other and share sort of best practices and, and things like that? 
Yes, and it's something that we feel really strongly about. Again, it was identified in the FinTech Review, but obviously everyone knows everybody across the UK. There's some great FinTech associations and networks that are already operating. So it's not for one now of not knowing the people. And I think that's really important ingredient to that. And certainly when we all, we all go around the UK, just you know, the amount of events are there. It's not talking about, oh, let's go and put a spotlight on Manchester or Leeds or Edinburgh or Cardiff. It's actually sitting there saying, right, what is in there already in those hubs? But also, how do we build out from those to make sure we've got a different type of voice around the table as well? So I think a lot of people knew that we chose to do our big launch event in Leeds a month ago. And that was very much designed to just show, shine a spotlight on one of those hubs around the UK. There's obviously many more. And by doing that, we had the universities there. We had the city council who you know, have heads of innovation working within the council. We had other participants, um, FCA there, the UK Infrastructure Bank's there. But obviously, most importantly, we had the fintechs in the region there as well. And when you talk to them about the challenges they're facing, that can sometimes be quite different to the challenges we're facing in London or challenges we're facing in Birmingham, Exeter and Bristol. So I think it is important that when we look at these clusters, we actually bring the network around them and bring them to the table. So the way we'll be doing that is when we announce the first coalition, we will then work with those clusters, those networks locally. And we, so we've already identified the, the initial cities that we're working in. And we will be encouraging them to bring in that network. So that may be at the local universities, it will certainly be the local founders. It will be generally anyone who's interested in that space. And we've got obviously some really big companies who are driving innovation forward. And we want to make sure, therefore, when we piece that together, that whatever solutions we're looking at, have we really considered whether that solution is solving a challenge that's across the UK or is it just solving a challenge in one of the cities? So it's definitely not everything but London because you, we obviously want to drive fintech forward we want to scale fintech and a lot of those really big companies are based here but i think we do want to take a different approach and ensure that actually we are always thinking you know, we want local input local output but perhaps solving that on a national basis and so it's yes, a really exciting pieces of work to be done there and when you talk to the networks there and that are already in existence but you say right we're going to invite you into these coalitions we've had you know, really great engagement on that so looking forward to getting going yeah, so let's talk about those uh, coalitions of experts, which is a lovely phrase. What's the criteria you're using to select? Are they individuals? Are they like companies, startups? And what thought have you given to how each coalition is put together? When we announce the broad brush of the, of the first coalition in a few weeks' time, what we'll then be doing is reaching back out to those networks and saying who would like to be involved in that, both from a city perspective, but also from a network. So, for example, if it's financial inclusion, we would want to be talking to the debt charities or maybe local foundations, for example. So we will certainly look at that from company level, but sometimes that may come down to an individual level as well. I've been spending a lot of the last month talking to universities up and down the country who are all very interested in perhaps providing research or staff into doing this and then as we've been putting those different clusters together, how do we plug in really quickly into various networks um, around the UK? So we're not quite there yet, Alex, but we are, you know, we're well on the way. And so then we will encourage those to have local focus groups there that have facilitating you know, discussions around it where people can either come together face-to-face -face, um, and we secure workspace in, in all those cities or they do it virtually, but even if they're doing virtually, they actually have that local flavor to it. And then obviously we'll bring that back into a wider group of saying, right, how are we sharing the input that's coming in and how does that change the way we're going to approach it? 
So certainly we expect to work really closely with the industry associations across the UK, or that might be anything from small business industry associations to the fintech ones, to the financial and professional services ones, to encourage them to either say, well, is that something they're going to support their members on, or do they even want to nominate some of their members to work on that? And depending, obviously, on the challenge itself, will be depending who comes around that table. But I think it is important that we have the direct input from some of the entrepreneurs, but we have to recognize that many of them are just building their businesses themselves and they don't necessarily have the time to be at that table all the time. So we've got to make sure we get their input, but not ask them to do all the work. I think that's just important. Yeah, yeah. We talked a little bit about universities and talent. The talent and labor are key issues in the UK, dampening sort of growth and productivity. The, let's see if it will establish a, placement pipeline between universities and firms. And can you talk a little bit about that? And if you have any other strategies in place to plug the talent gap? Yes, and this is something we were talking to the Treasury about the funding and making sure it's being used really effectively. What's the one thing everyone talks about in scaling? They talk about talent, they talk about investment, probably before they talk about the actual challenges they're trying to overcome in their own solutions. And then the conversations I've been having in previous roles, but also more recently, has definitely been you well we've got you we just can't get the talent coming into that or we don't attract the right people into the sector or we lose into large institutions and then on the flip side of that I'm talking to the universities and they're saying well we've got all these students and they're coming out of these courses and they don't know what jobs are available to them and so we definitely have a bigger pipeline I believe than people think is out there at the moment some of the fintechs have been leveraging that really successfully so doing partnerships incubators accelerators with local networks, but others definitely are right at the beginning of the journey and saying, well, I can't get enough developers, I can't get enough engineers. But as I said, if I speak to the conversations I've had more recently, I've got lots of universities saying I've got this huge talent pipeline, but I don't know where to place them. (laughs) So we've got to shine a bit of a spotlight on where the supply is and where the demand is. And then, as I said, showcase the sector so people understand the different types of roles that are available. Yeah, make it as attractive as like maybe tech or finance as they are individually. And maybe a lot of people don't understand that those sorts of jobs exist, as you say. Well, they they don't. But also it's interesting when you talk to people, I think a lot of people, this fintech word, it makes people think it's you've got to be a data scientist to come work in fintech. And as we all know, there's lots of different roles available to them. And the really smart Scaling fintechs are skilling up their own workforce as they move into it. They might come into one role and completely change their role to two, three years' time. So we do have to take some of that you know, some of that stigma about the sector and actually say, well, what is the sector trying to achieve? What's the mission, the purpose? You know, how do we bring a diverse workforce into it? Because ultimately, everyone is obviously trying to serve a very diverse customer base. And so we've got to focus on getting different types of backgrounds, socioeconomic, ethnic diversity, gender diversity, looking at this and saying, what are we trying to solve for? And then showcase the roles there. So it's going to be really, yeah, really interesting to, to look at that and working with universities up and down the country to really show the types of roles there, maybe looking at some of the partnerships they could even consider with some of the large fintechs who keep telling me they can't get, they can't get enough talent and they're going overseas to find it. And then seeing, as I said, how we can put this placement program um, together so that's really ready for hoping at the beginning of the academic year in September so as people start to apply for jobs in that year. Great yeah I mean it's there's no shortage of opportunities and there's no shortage of talent really it's just about marrying making sure that people find the jobs and they find the talent. So yeah we've talked a lot about the domestic situation in the UK. Internationally the UK is like a big fintech player and you talked a little bit about some of the overarching priorities that will have. 
Can you go into a bit more detail about how we can make sure that we remain a top fintech player internationally? What other countries we're looking at to copy or not copy? Who's our competition? That kind of thing. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because I hear so many times, oh, if only we had such and such legislation or look at that country and they're doing this. And it is true that it keeps us on our toes, but it also allows us to share information back and forth. Most of those big international hubs are coming into the UK and understanding more of what the UK has done. We're very much seen as one of the big global thought leaders. And you know, if I take is it my previous role in open banking, which obviously was a phrase that's coined by the UK, you know, very much coming out of, of the opportunity of PSD2, but taking that one step forward, we now see 80 countries adopting open banking in some guise. In some countries, that may be the only thing they're doing in fintech. They may be just looking at open banking and not looking at all the other array of things that we're looking at in the UK, whether that's challenger banks, whether it's savings apps, whether it's reg tech, supervisory tech, law tech, and all the other tech pieces around, around financial services. So I certainly think the UK is the, that global thought leader around all of the spectrum of fintech. But obviously what we want to see is as other countries come in and say, right, we're just going to take that sliver of, of work the UK is doing, doing and go and build on that. We want to go and sit there and say, right, is there something that they're doing that we can learn from and bring that back? And that shouldn't just be developed markets. When we look at developing markets, the approach they've taken to bring in your financial inclusion, even banking for the first time, different credit records, we want to look at that and learn from them and say, well, is there a way that we can take that model and maybe lay it over what we have in place as well? So certainly it's something that we're staying close to, really interested in learning lessons from overseas. And I would fully expect when we put the coalitions together that we want to get some international representation on that to make sure that we're not just looking at what we have in front of us and what we think might be possible, but actually looking at you know, how others have approached it. Are you aware of any sort of similar organisations to see fit in other countries? Are other countries trying to do this kind of top-level public-private partnership approach? Not so much similar. What we have seen, I mean, if you take even what's happening in Singapore with the Monetary Authority of Singapore, it's quite aligned between industry, government and regulators, obviously. If you see what's happening in Australia, they're very much going on legislation first, but then haven't got the implementation perhaps to drive that forward. And certainly they are, you know, a lot of these hubs are looking to industry to find the solutions. But it's interesting when we've talked to international hubs in the past, a lot of them say, well, how can we get fintech sector really thriving and going here? We're really committed to it. They commit to it from a government level or they commit to it from an industry level, but aren't necessarily crossing between the two. And it is something that UK has obviously done in the past is these public-private partnerships. And that allows us to get that mandate, to get that interest there, but recognising that government's not going to be able to fix everything. And industry can't fix everything because sometimes they need policymakers, at least at the table, to understand it. Personally, I believe there are some issues out there that can be solved by industry alone, but they just don't have a, an association to go and do that with. So even since we launched, it's amazing how many founders, entrepreneurs have reached out and said, well, we, we need to do this, but we can't do that on our own. We need to have a central body that's been mandated. And said, taking back to what I did at Open Banking Implementation Entity, that was a body that was effectively mandated this time, you know, that term by a competition regulator to take that forward and drive it forward. And that's actually not similar to what we're doing. We're just not doing it out of a competition mandate. We're actually doing it to say, how do we take it from where we are now to driving financial innovation to the next level? So, you know, it's a really exciting opportunities. And again, looking very much at how other however other markets have done this and saying, right, let's see if we can create that blueprint to driving this forward.
Let's move on to the last part of the podcast, part three, fintech jail. This is where we ask for an overhyped, overused industry term, buzzword or trend, jargon lingo that our guest has seen or heard enough of and wants to get a shot of. Or alternatively, a buzzword or phrase that they wish to spring from jail. So Charlotte, you had a word in mind. Do you want to tell us what it is? All right. You see, I, I'm trying to. I'm trying not to be controversial here, but okay. I do think we will at some point have to move beyond the word. Okay. So I'm not and quite sure it's ready for jail yet. But I, you, if we sit there and look at financial innovation, I would prefer that. I yeah. think it does. People don't really understand it, and a lot of people are sitting there hiding behind it and saying, "Well, what does that actually mean?" Yeah. So I don't know. I'm sitting on the fence. I'm, I think it may be still with the jury, maybe on that one. But is it really signifying what people can do? And if you went to anybody, a normal man on the street, and I live in London, and I say to friends of mine, or I work in fintech, and they look at me as if I've got two heads, they have no idea what I'm talking about. So I think we're going to have to, at some point, be brave on it. But on the flip side of it, Alex, it's also, it's a term that's used globally, and everyone thinks the UK is leading in it. So I'm not quite sure we can put it away yet. Yeah, as far as portmanteaus go, it's not too clumsy. Sometimes they can be very clumsy. I think it's also a word that's a victim of its own success in the sense that it's, it covers such a broad range of things. And it really is, it is a literal marriage of finance, which is huge, and technology, yeah. which is probably yeah. bigger, to coming together. And it does cover so many things. It's, yeah, I've had the same experience when I worked for Fintech Futures. What's fintech? It's finance, technology. Then people start to get it, but it, because it's quite ubiquitous, fintech now, that people don't think it's necessarily something separate. It's just mobile banking. You know, when you say that, then people start to understand what it is. Yeah. Well, that's it. And I think most people would think of it as competition in banking rather than transparency and innovation in other sectors. So yeah. have many other sectors that might asset management, wealth management, insurance to go, Oh, so do you think we, we're going to learn from what happened in fintech and we're going to create our own tech? Mm. Whereas, as you said, if it's finance and tech, surely they're all covered by finance and, and bringing a tech into finance. So, and we're moving to embedded finance. It's a nice phrase, I think, for anyone who works in it, anyone who understands it, I think it's great. But I'm not quite sure if you go to most people and say, here, can we offer you a nice fintech solution that it's mm. rich and really that people are going to understand what it means. It might need a re- ready to branding, like... Um strategy or something <laughs> maybe but there's lots of others as well yeah i could probably give you t- 10 acronyms that are sitting there and i don't think really showcase what we're actually doing yeah. so if we look at the consumer angle or even the sme angle obviously where a lot of these solutions are focused at i think we do have to have things that break down the mystery behind it and don't people put people off because of the phrases we're using yeah i mean if there are any industries out there that are prone or guilty of using jargon one is finance one is technology and yeah i mean fintech is yeah, it doesn't stand a chance um i guess fintech is wearing a tag rather than has been jailed is on yeah. probation all right i'll do that i don't want you to have to change the name of your podcast <laughs> okay <thanks. laughs> all right great well that's all we have time for this episode thanks charlotte for joining me it's been really good before we sign off do you have any social and websites to plug or anything you want to say before we end the podcast yeah, no, absolutely. So people definitely should follow us on LinkedIn as we build that up. So Center for Finance, Innovation and Technology, but you can type in CFIT and you will find us very quickly. And on Twitter, we are at CFIT underscore UK and my own hashtag is at CCrosswell. Lovely stuff. I am on Twitter at Pew Show and you can find me on LinkedIn by searching Alex Pew Journalist. As for Fintech Futures, you can find us online at fintechfutures.com on Twitter 
at Fintech Futures and LinkedIn by searching Fintech Futures. It's fairly straightforward. If you like this podcast and our other episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or your other favorite podcasting service. We'd also really appreciate it if you can help other listeners find the podcast by writing a review or recommending us to a friend. Thank you very much for your support. We'll see you soon for another episode of What the Fintech. Thank you, Charlotte. Thanks, Alex. Until then, goodbye.